Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter five of Breaking Dawn, Isle Esme. Yep, they're going to Pound Town, everybody. They're going to Route City, all aboard. All aboard the express plane and boat to Isle Esme for the Rootathon. Yep, we're popping cherries. We're popping bottles and we're popping cherries. So yeah, where we left off, they had the wedding reception and Bella said, hey, Jacob, I'm going to get banged tonight. And he said, what? No. And who cares? Let's skip to the banging. You know what I mean? We've been waiting how many books for this? Let's get to it. So we start the chapter with her saying, Houston, I asked, raising my eyebrows when we reached the gate in Seattle. Okay. She's only realizing when she gets to the gate, what did she do during check-in and security? Was she not holding a plane ticket? Did she not see her bags get tagged with an airport code? Like, how is she so out of the loop on where she's going until she gets to the gate? And Edward's like, it's just a stopover because he's like, I wouldn't be caught dead honeymooning in Houston. What are you fucking crazy? And then we cut to, they're in Houston. She says, I felt like I'd barely fallen asleep when he woke me. I was groggy as he pulled me through the terminals, struggling to remember how to open my eyes after every blink. Like, geez, I know she's not that bright, but she's struggling to remember how to open eyes. And then she says, it took me a few minutes to catch up with what was going on when we stopped at the international counter to check in for our next flight. He's got to check in again. He's got them checking in again. He didn't just book like a connecting flight where you don't have to check in. I don't, (sighs) there's a lot going on with her getting dragged through the airport and there's no one, like no flight attendant checking them in is like, this woman seems to be drugged. She can't keep her eyes open. She doesn't know where she's going. I think we've got a smuggling situation on our hands, but no, no, no one raises a red flag. It certainly seems like he drugged her. And now she's like, oh, okay. So we're going to Rio de Janeiro. She says the whole thing. Who says that? You just say Rio, you know? Are we going to Rio de Janeiro? I asked with slightly more trepidation, trepidation. And he says, it's just another stop. And she's like, oh Jesus, we're doing a lot of stops. And then she says, the flight to South America was long, but comfortable in the wide first class seat. Oh, you privileged thing. Oh, you privileged white bitch. And and it's comfortable in the wide first class seat with Edward's arms cradled around me. I mean, it can't be, can't be that wide of a seat if his arms still cradled around you. She says, I slept myself out and awoke unusually alert. 
unusually alert. She's not used to being alert. As we circled towards the airport, with the light of the setting sun slanting through the plane's windows. Okay, so Edward's just glimmer city. This is the skin of a killer Bella. He's just glittering around. And then she says, we didn't stay in the airport to connect with another flight, as I'd expected. Where do you think you're going at this point? You're going to Seattle to Houston, Houston to Rio. Where is transiting through Rio in your imagination? Like what guess are you making to think that there should be th- three or four stopover cities before you get to your destination? What is, <sighs> oh God, I can't. And I'd say she hasn't flown before, but she's famously flown to Volterra. She goes back and forth to Florida. She's popped over from Phoenix to Seattle. She's a jet setter and yet she doesn't know how planes work. Uh, so they leave the airport. She gets in a taxi and she doesn't understand a word of Portuguese. So she's still out of the loop and Edward's still not telling her. Like, oh my God, I get you want to surprise her. But at some point you're going to have to tell you where you're fucking going. You can't be in a taxi going through the streets of Rio and still not know where she's going. Cause she thinks, oh, we're going to be put up in a hotel for the night before we go back to the airport and hop on another flight. And she's getting anxious because she's like, oh, the closer we get to the hotel, the closer to me getting jiggy with this guy. Then she says the taxi continued through the swarming crowds until they thinned somewhat. And we appeared to be nearing the extreme Western edge of the city, heading into the ocean. Well, okay. I think the taxi's going to stop before it hits the ocean, doll. And like the, the extreme Western edge, like she's got this inner compass. I assume she's not been to Rio before, but here she is telling me what's, what's east, what's west, what's north, what's south. She knows the whole fucking quadrants of the city. Uh, is she the mayor of Rio? And then she says, we stopped at the docks. Like, yeah, you're not going to drive into the water. And then they stop at a boat. So I'm like, I guess they're getting onto a boat. I really wish she would have said, caught a flight, went to Rio, hopped on a boat got to the hotel, started having sex. I didn't need to hear about the taxi and, and how wide the first class seats are. Like, get on with it, doll. Oh, okay. So he prepares a boat for departure and she's surprised at how skilled and comfortable he seemed. Like, why is it a surprise that Edward's capable and adequate and competent? He's a fucking super skilled vampire. And she also, I think, has a degree in boats or something because she's walking down the dock and she goes, hmm, this boat is smaller than the others. It's sleeker. It's obviously built for speed instead of space, although it's still luxurious and it's more graceful than the rest. Like she knows, she knows which boat's graceful, which boat's fast. Was she a chief stew on below deck before heading over to Forks High? Like what? So they get in the boat and then she says, we headed due east, due east into the open ocean. Well, yeah, you're not going to go further west. Once you're at the coastline, are you? And then she says, I reviewed basic geography in my head. As far as I could remember, there wasn't much east of Brazil until you got to Africa. So now she thinks she's she's going on a boat to Africa. Are you you joking, doll? You don't think you could have gotten a connecting flight from Houston to Africa without going via Rio and then catching a boat? So she's thinking, oh, there's nothing between here and Africa. Like, have you heard of islands, sweetheart? Islands. And she's thinking, "Uh uh-oh, we're going to Africa. But Edward sped forward with the lights of Rio fading behind them. And so the boat's going really fast and she's getting whipped with sea spray. She says, I was showered with sea spray. Not a very luxurious honeymoon night so far. And then finally, she says, the curiosity I'd suppressed so long got the best of me. So I'm like, okay, finally, she's going to say, where the fuck are we? And instead she just says, are we going much further? I'd be like, hey, mate, 
I've gone to Houston. I've gone to Rio. I've gone in a taxi cab. I've gone in a boat. Can you fill a bitch in? But she thinks her idea of being assertive is just saying, oh, is there much farther? And he's like, nah. She says, it wasn't like him to forget that I was human, but I wondered if he planned for us to live on this small craft for any length of time. Like, okay, doll. I think you're exaggerating. It hasn't been that long. Like he, he didn't forget that you, hu- humans can go on boats, Bella. What, is she, what does she mean by that? Does he forget I'm human? I can't be on a boat for much longer. People live on boats. If you need to pee, pee off the side of the boat. Uh, then he says, it's about another half hour. And then she says, oh, well, I thought to myself, he was a vampire after all. Maybe we were going to Atlantis. Okay. What? Yeah, Atlantis is probably more likely than Africa via speedboat. But what's being a vampire got to do with Atlantis? Does she think that, that Atlantis is real? Or does she just think because vampires are mythological, other mythological places could be real? But like Atlantis isn't filled with vampires. Vampires in Atlantis are not connected remotely. Well, I, uh, and I think if he were taking you to Atlantis, that's the kind of thing that he wouldn't be able to keep a secret from you. He might have to say eventually like, hey, Bells, I'm taking you to this underwater civilization that's been lost for years. Like here's an oxygen tank. Like you can't just spring Atlantis on someone. Oh, she's an idiot. And then 20 minutes later, he's like, hey, Bella, look over there. And so then she's squinting in the blackness because they're in the middle of the ocean, apparently. She's squinting and she's looking at the moon's white trail across the water. And she's searching for where he's pointing. She can't see anything because she's useless. And then she's squinting and then she's squinting. And then she sees a shape. She says the shape grew into a squat, irregular triangle. And she's like, what is it? What am I look? What is that shape in the distance? What's going on? And then she says, oh, and then we drew closer and I could see the outline was feathery. It was swaying to a light breeze. What could this be? What could this thing in the middle of the ocean be that we're jet boating towards? It's not Atlantis. What could it be? And then her eyes are refocusing and she says, all the pieces finally made sense. A small island rose out of the water ahead of us. She, she didn't even think that was a possibility. She says, oh, wow. Oh my God. Oh, I can finally make it out. It's an island. Yes. He's not taking you for a honeymoon on an oil rig. What? 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 I think she was actually genuinely expecting either Atlantis or Africa. She was just blown out of the water at the suggestion that she'd be going to an island. And then she says, where are we? And she goes, I murmured in wonder while he shifted course. You're at an island. She's like, what's this strange landmass that I'm approaching via boat? And then Edward says, this is Isle Esme. And she's like, oh, okay. So it's an island. That's crazy. So the boat pulls up to the dock and she says the the wooden pails of the dock have been bleached into whiteness by the moon. She says everything in this chapter is bleached into whiteness by the moon. She can only see via moonlight. We hear about the moon a million fucking times. She's never mentioned moon this much since new moon, which she rarely actually mentioned moon phases, even though it was a whole book about werewolves. Moons didn't come up that much, surprisingly, because... They don't transition via the moon anyway. Regardless, she talks about the moon a lot. So keep an eye out for it. So then he turns off the boat and she says the engine cut off and the silence that followed was profound. 
There was nothing but the waves slapping lightly against the boat and the rustle of the breeze in the palms. Okay, so it's not silent then. I, she just goes, there was nothing but silence and the sound of the waves and the sound of the trees and the wind. Well, that's not silent, babe. And then she says the air was moist, like she just got out of a hot shower. Oh boy. It's not going to be the only thing moist in this chapter, am I right? And then she goes, Isle Esme. She's still processing the fact that it's an island. And he goes, yeah, it's a gift from Carlisle. Esme offered to let us borrow it. And she's like, a gift? Who gives an island as a gift? I frowned. She's frowning. You've got your own private island paradise for a week or whatever. And you're frowning because someone gave his vampire lover an island. She's like, I hadn't realized that Edward's extreme generosity was a learned behavior. You know what? If someone gave me an island, I'd be grateful. And if someone let me borrow their island, I'd be grateful. And I wouldn't be bitching about the fact that they got given an island. You want to know what I got for Valentine's Day? Not an island. So then Edward puts the suitcases on the dock and then he scoops her up because he's doing the whole carrying her over the threshold thing, even though there's not a threshold. And then it says gripping the handles of both huge steamer trunks in one hand and cradling me in the other arm, he carried me up the dock and onto a pale sand pathway through the dark vegetation. Steamer trunks. All this time I was picturing like modern day suitcases that you'd take on a plane. But because I guess Edward's from the 1910s or whatever, he's got steamer trunks. Uh, They were just on a speedboat, not the Titanic. What's he doing with steamer trunks? They really transited through Houston with steamer trunks. I can appreciate being old school, but what's wrong with a bit of luggage with wheels on it? And then she's bamboozled again. She's walking through the jungle while he's carrying her through the jungle. And she says, for a short while, it was pitch black in the jungle-like growth. And then I could see a warm light ahead. It was at about that point when I realized the light was a house. <sighs> so now she's like, oh my, oh my God, what's that in the distance? What could that? Oh, it's a house. Yeah. Do you think you're staying in a shelter like you're on Survivor? You're not a castaway, Bells. You're on your honeymoon. Of course there's a house. But then I'm also thinking, who turned the lights on in this house? No one's up there to greet them. So I don't know if, if the last person who was there left the lights on, it's unclear. And so now that she realizes she's going to a house, she's like, oh my God, that's right. We're going to have sex. <laughs> Did you forget that you were going to be sleeping somewhere tonight, Bells? And so, okay, the moment's full of tension and they're walking towards the house. They get to the house. He puts the steamer trunks down. He opens the doors. The doors were unlocked because I I guess it's an abandoned island. No one else is around to rob you. He carries her through the house, flipping on the lights as he went. So not all the lights were on. Okay, good to know. She says, my vague impression of the house was that it was quite large for a tiny island. Oh God. Okay. And she thinks the color scheme's the same as the Cullens' house back at Forks. (laughs) Okay. And then she says, then Edward stopped and turned on the last light. So he was just turning on every single light in the house. That seems weird as well. She just said it's a big house and he's went around to every single room and turned all of the lights on. Then she says the room was big and white and the far wall was mostly glass. Standard decor for my vampires. Okay. Thanks for the architectural digest tour of the house, Bells. And outside the moon was bright. Okay. Yep. Yep. So she's just described the scenery, the walls, the decor. And then she says, but I barely noticed any of that. I was more focused on the absolutely huge white bed in the center of the room. 
okay. You barely noticed it and yet you described it to us in painstaking detail. So then Edward puts it down. He goes back to get the steamer trunks. So many specifics with where the steamer trunks are and how they're getting carried. He's always putting them down, picking them up, putting them down, picking them up. Jesus Christ. Can we unpack already? And so the room's getting really hot and she's all sweaty, even though she didn't walk here. She got carried the whole bloody way and yet she's still working up a sweat. And then Edward sneaks up behind her. She doesn't hear him coming. And his wintry finger caressed the back of her neck, wiping away the drop of perspiration. Ew, what a creep. And he says, it's a little hot here. I thought that would be best. And she's like, yeah, good idea, thorough. And then they're sharing a little chuckle. And he goes, yeah, I tried to think of everything that would make this easier. So, okay, they're talking about how they're going to have sex and cuddle. And he thought, because he's so icy cold, it would make her more comfortable to be in a tropical setting. So that's why they went all the way out to Rio. And like, okay, that, very well thought out, Edward. And yet her body temperature while you're banging isn't the biggest concern. The biggest concern is that you might eat her. He's put all this effort into regulating her body temp. Get air con. Or if you're worried she's going to be too cold, put the heater on. Get a fireplace. It's all going to be a moot point when you destroy her in the throes of passion. And so then Edward goes, well, how about we have a little midnight swim? So it's already midnight. I feel like when they were descending into Rio, the sun was just setting, but it must've been a really long boat ride to get to Isle Esme if it's already midnight. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he did forget that she's human. Maybe she was on that boat for 23 hours. Who knows? And he goes, the water will be very warm. This is the kind of beach you approve of. This is, okay, that's not a question mark. He just said, this is the kind of beach you approve of. Okay. Noted. Thanks, Edward, for telling me the kind of beach that I approve of. And she goes, yeah, sounds nice. And he goes, well, I'm sure you'd like a human minute or two. It was a long journey. So it was a long journey. So she does need to go and do a dump. I'd be mortified, actually, if, if my vampire husband said, I'm sure you need a human minute or two. I'd be like, mate, I might need six or seven. I just had plain food. I'm all backed up. You know what? Give me 10 or 15 to be safe human minute or two, like, uh, please don't be putting a timer on my human bowel movements. Was that an overshare? I think it was an overshare, but I, you guys have traveled. Have you ever been able to go to the bathroom after traveling and restricted yourself to one or two minutes? Like, no. I mean, she would probably want a shower as well. I mean, as well as doing a dump, she's probably going to want to have a shower. And that's exactly what she does. I don't know why my mind goes straight to bowel movements, but yeah, she needed a shower. But before that, he's like, don't take too long, Mrs. Cullen. And she's like, oh my God, Mrs. Cullen. She jumps at the name. She's like, that's wild. I'll never get used to it. And I'm like, okay, but he just said, don't take too long while you're having your human minute. Again, don't time me when I'm in the bathroom. And so Edward goes, I'll wait for you in the water. And she's like, oh fuck, here we go. And on the way out to the water, he's sauntering off. He just pops his shirt off, pops it off and throws it down on the sand. And she's like, oh, she's so turned on. She goes, did my skin burst into flames? I had to look down to check. You had to look down to check for visual confirmation that you're not on fire. She's so annoying. She goes, nope, nothing was burning, at least visibly. Oh my God. So her loins are burning. And then she had to remind herself to breathe. Oh. And then she stumbled towards the giant suitcases. She's always stumbling. How is she always off balance? I think she's got vertigo or something. She's stumbling towards the giant steam trunk. And remember, she didn't pack her own suitcase. Alice packed for her. So she's like, okay, this is my steamer trunk because it's got my toiletries in it. And then she's looking through and all she can see are lingerie. She's like, oh, geez, Alice, 
why'd she pack me just lingerie? She's freaking out. She goes, there's so much pink. I don't recognize any of the articles of clothing. She goes, I was looking for something familiar and comfortable. An old pair of sweats, maybe. What? Okay, like it's your honeymoon and you want to wear an old pair of sweats. Also, you're going for a swim in the beach. Why are you putting on sweats for a midnight swim at the beach? The kind of beach you approve of. Full stop. An old pair of sweats, Bella. I'm glad Alice packed you something fashionable and sexy because that's just ridiculous. An old pair of sweats. She doesn't make it easy to like her, does she? Jeez Louise. Oh, and she's pissed at Alice. She's pissed at Alice. She goes, oh, I didn't know how or when, but someday Alice was going to pay for this. It's like, no, I don't think she is. Speaking of Alice, by the way, did she see any of this coming? I mean, Bella's about to get knocked up. Did Alice see it coming? She didn't, did she? I'm sure there's a plot hole explanation for that one, but we'll, we'll see. And she's just taking her time. She wanders over to the bathroom, but she takes a little peek out the window first and she can see the rest of Edward's clothes on like a tree branch or some shit. So she's like, oh my God, he's naked in the water. Holy crap. Yeah, he's not wearing an old pair of sweats, is he? Then she looks in the mirror and she's like, oh God, I look like I've been sleeping on a plane all day. Like you were in first class, doll. Like, calm down. She's like, oh God, I look disgusting. Flying coach. I invite you to fly cattle class. Then tell me how disgusting you look. So she starts brushing her hair. She's like, oh geez, I've got to brush my hair. And then she brushes her teeth meticulously twice. Then she washes her face and then she splashes water on the back of her neck. And then she's like, you know what? Maybe I'll just have a full on shower. So then she has a full on shower. So I don't know why, why we went through the brushing hair saga and the, and the waiting your neck saga if she's just going to have a shower. And then she's like, well, I better shave my legs while I'm in here. So she's just really delaying everything. She's been asking for him to do the dirty with her for months and months and months. But now that it's happening, she's like, let's delay it for a little bit. And she's like, I know it's ridiculous to shower before swimming, but I need to calm down. But then she gets out of the shower and her hands are trembling. Her breathing's accelerating. And she goes, oh, so much for the calming effects of the shower. Get to it. And then she's sitting down on the cool tile floor. She's having a freak out. Oh my goodness gracious me. And she says, I was freaking out because I had no idea how to do this. And I was afraid to walk out of this room and face the unknown, especially in French lingerie. I knew I wasn't ready for that yet. It's like, okay, then could you not have asked Alice and just said, hey, Alice, going on my honeymoon, any tips? Again, could Alice not have seen this coming and offered her advice? I don't know, she goes, this felt exactly like having to walk out in front of a theatre full of thousands with no idea what my lines were. Is it? Is that the same? Going out for a midnight swim, being naked in front of your husband is the same as going out in front of a theatre of thousands of people. Is she so nervous because he's not seen her naked before? Because, well, she thinks he hasn't seen her naked before, but like, spoiler alert, he watched you sleep for weeks without your consent or knowledge. I think he's probably seen you naked without you knowing. Methinks he was a peeping Tom, perhaps. I think you should just go in with the expectation that he's in love with you for some reason and that he won't find you disgusting. And I get that insecurities are relatable. And she's even saying like, how do people do this? Swallow their fears and trust someone so implicitly with every imperfection and fear they had, blah, blah, blah. They do it. She's honestly so infuriating because she's not the least bit concerned about becoming a vampire. He's going to turn her into a vampire so she'll lose all control. She'll have an insatiable thirst for human blood and have to then go and kill rats and mountain lions and eat them. 
she's not worried about that, but she's worried about getting her boobies out in front of her husband. <laughs> so then she's like, okay, don't be a coward. You could do this. You could do this. And she doesn't put on the lingerie. She just puts on a towel. She walks out there. Everything was black and white, leached colorless by the moon. I do not think the moon has this bleaching power that she thinks it has. Like, I'm sorry. Even if the only natural light source around is the moon, it doesn't render palm trees to be white. You know what I mean? And also, you just left the house with all of the lights on. Edward turned every single fucking light on, so it's not just moonlight that's out there. But no, apparently everything's bleached by the moon. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And so she's walking out. She's sauntering out to the water. She's freaking the fuck out. She's stopping. She's pausing by the branch of a tree and just getting a breath. She's looking out into the darkness into the blackness, even though I thought everything was bleached white from the moon. She's looking out into the blackness, searching for him. And she goes, oh, he wasn't hard to find. Okay. So were you searching for him or was he not hard to find? Uh, He's just standing in the water where he said he would be and has been the whole past hour that she's been having a shower. And he's facing the other way because he's a gentleman. And she's like, oof, look at that man. She says, look at the smooth lines of his back, his shoulders, his arms, his neck, the flawless shape of him. She is going to lose it when she sees him naked. I'm surprised she's not running down that hill, running into his naked arms to cop a peep. Because, you know, she's horny. She's horny. I thought that would motivate her because she's like, God, that back is the sexiest back I've ever seen. It's like, whoa, wait till you see his butt. Wait till you see his balls. You know what I mean? Sorry for getting vulgar. And you know what? Getting turned on by looking at his shoulder blades does the trick. Because she's like, all right, let's do it. She slips the towel off. 
Without hesitation, she says, even though she's been hesitating for like 85 minutes, I slipped the towel off without hesitation and walked out into the white light, the white light. It made me pale as the snowy sand too. The snow, everything's, everything's white. Everything's white on this beach, including her, even though she's already pale. It's the moon, everybody. The moon turns everything white. She says, I couldn't hear the sound of my footsteps as I walked to the water's edge, but I guess that he could. What a useless sentence that is. I couldn't hear the sound of my footsteps, but I guess that he could. Okay, great. Kind of not what I'm here to read about, the sound of your footsteps, but okay, good to know, good to know. And she's like, oh, wow, this, this beach is actually really warm. The, the temperature of the water, it's like, it's like bath water. And it's like, well, you just got out of the shower. Now you're getting into a bath. Oh. She says, I stepped in, walking carefully across the invisible ocean floor. Like, okay. I don't know if invisible is the word. And then she says, but my care was unnecessary. The sand continued perfectly smooth, sloping gently towards Edward. Like, yeah, he wasn't going to stand in the middle of like a shipwreck. So she finally gets to him and then she puts her hand over his hands. And she says, beautiful, I said, looking up at the moon. So they're both staring at the moon. And he goes, it's all right. (laughs) He answered unimpressed. What a buzzkill. And then he turns around, he looks at her. And his eyes look silver in his ice-coloured face. Okay. Ice-coloured face. Okay. Is that from the moon? Uh, uh, what what colour is ice? Because it's not white, is it? I mean, it depends what type of ice you, you've got. Uh, uh, ice-coloured face. Okay, sure. Ice-coloured. <sighs> he twisted his hand up so he could twine their fingers beneath the surface of the water. And then he says, but I wouldn't use the word beautiful referring to the moon, not with you standing here in comparison. And she's like, me, beautiful, please. And then she puts her hand over his heart and she goes, white on white, we matched for once. Again, with the fucking turning white from the moon. I mean, I thought he was ice colored, but now she's saying, oh, we're white on white. We matched for once. You're pale. You've told me for four books that you're unnaturally pale. You came from Phoenix to Forks already pale. And then in not a sunny climate, you got even more pale. And now she's like, wow, thanks to the power of the moon, the bleaching power of the moon, we are both equally pale. What? And I'll remind you, all the lights in that house are on. Okay, so Edward says, I promised we'd try. If I do something wrong, if I hurt you, you must tell me at once. And I'm thinking, oh shit, they're going to bang in the beach. <laughs> I'm here. I was expecting them to, you know, have a nice swim, then go out into the bedroom. But no, I, th- I think he's going to bang her in the beach. And she says, don't be afraid. We belong together. And he says forever. And then pulled them gently into deeper water. And so then I assume they have sex because she says, we cut to the sun hot on the bare skin of my back woke me in the morning. And I'm like, are you serious? Are you for serious? I've told you, it's been a while since I've read this book and I I did not remember that we didn't get a sex scene. You're just going to have them in the water and then cut to the next morning? What? What? I know I've I've read a lot of Fifty Shades lately. That's a plug for the Patreon, patreon.com slash breaking down bad books. But like, am I just trained to expect sex scenes? I guess this is a classy way to do it, Steph. But I, I really feel like I'm being deprived here. So she's waking up and she's like, oh, I'm waking up. Is it late morning? Maybe it's, maybe it's the afternoon. Who gives a shit? You're on holidays. You're in a different time zone. Relax. And she goes, oh, that's right. I'm in the bright room with the big white bed. Sunlight streaming through the open doors. 
She says, I didn't open my eyes. I was too happy to change anything, no matter how small. And she's like, but I'm still comfortable. Even though it's hot out, remember my husband is a vampire. So his cold skin's keeping me nice and cool. And so she's in the afterglow. She's feeling fan-freaking-tastic. She's like, mm, what a night. How about that swim? And then she says, his fingers softly trailed down the contours of my spine and I knew that he knew I was awake. I think he has a pretty good awareness of when you're awake and when you're not since he's a vampire and he can tell like differences in your breathing and stuff. But yeah, she's like, I have a feeling that he thinks I'm awake. Yeah, because you're awake. And she's like, oh, I would have been happy to lie in bed forever to never disturb this moment. But my body had other ideas. I laughed at my impatient stomach. It seemed sort of prosaic to be hungry after all that had passed last night, like being brought back down to earth from some great height. Okay, and so I'm thinking, what's so fucking funny about that? And Edward says what I'm thinking. He goes, what's funny? Like, why are you laughing about being hungry? That's ridiculous. And also, I think she's only hungry. Oh, she might not even be hungry, but I think her tummy's rumbling because she's knocked up. And little remember all is in there. And this is a little hint that she's cooking in there. She's cooking in that belly because this pregnancy is a super quick one, remember? And there's going to be some hints, I feel like, later on in this chapter and in the next chapter before the big reveal that she's been knocked up where it's going to be like, oh my God, she's pregnant. Or she could just be hungry because she's had a big night and didn't have dinner and, and they don't feed people well in first class, I guess. So anyway, okay, so he's like, what's so fucking funny, idiot? Yeah, which is, again, a great point because why is she laughing about being hungry? Ridiculous. And then she says, to answer his question, my stomach growled. I laughed again. And she goes, you just can't escape being human for very long. What? She's actually laughing that she needs to eat. It's like, okay, we been knew that you have to eat, Bells. And she goes, I waited, but he did not laugh with me. Yeah, because it's not funny. And then she goes, oh, wait a minute. The mood's a bit off. Because I'm starting to realize that there's a different atmosphere outside my own glowing sphere of happiness. And she opens her eyes and then she sees Edward and his jaws all taut. He's staring at the roof. And she's like, oh my God, Edward, what's wrong? Edward, what is wrong? And he goes, you have to ask. Like he's been moody moodstress. He has been such a buzzkill. And she says, my first instinct, the product of a lifetime of insecurities was to wonder what I had done wrong, which is sad. Um, I get that she's insecure, but to say a lifetime of insecurities, you're 18. I get that some of the most insecure people in the world are teenagers, but like a lifetime of insecurities, 18 years does not a lifetime make. Although I guess a lifetime can be any period of time that is a life. I don't care. Anyway, she's insecure. She's like, oh my God, what have I done wrong? And she's like, oh my God, you're upset. I didn't, what's, what's going on? What's all this about? And he's like, Bella, how bad are you hurt? Please don't downplay it. And she's like, hurt, I'm fine. I'm fucking dandy actually. And he's like, don't lie to me, Bella. And she's like, actually, I'm mad at you now because you're being all buzzkilly. Why do you think I'm hurt? Can you just calm down? I've never been better. And he's like, stop it. And she goes, stop what? And he goes, stop it. Stop acting like I'm not a monster. And she's like, Edward, what the fuck are you talking about? And he goes, look at yourself, Bells. Look at yourself and tell me that I'm not a monster. So he's doing this big sad that he hurt her, which, you know, newsflash, you are always going to do because you're a freaking vampire. And she's like, what's he talking about? (laughs) And then she looks in the mirror and she's like, oh. (laughs) And she can see all these pillow feathers like stuck in her hair and on her skin. And she goes, what the fuck happened to me? She goes, why am I covered in feathers? And he goes, I bit a pillow or two, but I'm not talking about that. And she's like, you bit a pillow? And then she thinks, why? 
It's like, why do you, why do you think? Why do you think he bit down on something while he was going to town on you? It's to not bite you. And then he's like, oh my God, look. And then she sees bruises all over her body. And she's like, oh yeah, those old things. She's such an idiot. She's like, oh, oh yeah, th- you're referring to the bruises and not, not the pillow feathers that are in my hair. Like, okay. And she's thinking, huh, I don't remember being hurt last night. I remember last night being pretty darn good, actually. And he's like, I'm so sorry, Bella. I knew better than this. I shouldn't have touched you, blah, blah, blah. I'm more sorry than I can tell you. And she's like, oh my God, relax. And she's like, Edward, I'm not sorry. I can't even tell you how not sorry I am. I am so happy. I had a great time. And she's like, really, I'm fit. And he goes, don't say fine. And she goes, well, guess what? I'm fine. And he's like, but Bella, you have bruises. I know. And she's like, oh my God, Edward, you're killing me, Debbie Downer. She says, don't ruin this. I am happy. And he goes, well, I've already ruined it. And she says, cut it out. And then his teeth grind together. And she goes, ugh, why can't you just read my mind already? It's so inconvenient to be a mental mute. And he's like, what? I thought you liked that I couldn't read your mind. And she's like, yeah, well, if you could read my mind, uh, you would see how into it I am, how much I had a great night, how much I don't care that I've been bruised to oblivion. And he's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And she goes, okay, Edward, you are killing my buzz. And he's like, okay, I I guess I am. She says, we knew this was going to be tricky. I thought that was assumed. And then, well, it was a lot easier than I thought it would be. For you. (laughs) It doesn't seem like it was very easy for Edward. And she goes, this is nothing. These bruises, please, I bruise like a peach. She says, I think for a first time, not knowing to expect, we did amazing with a little practice. And he's like, practice, practice. And he goes, wait a minute, assumed? Did you expect this, Bella? Were you anticipating that I would hurt you? Were you thinking it would be worse? Like he's asking a lot of questions he knows the answer to. He goes, do you consider the experiment a success because you could walk away from it? No broken bones. You think that equals a victory? He's like, what? You expected this? You psycho. And it's like, you told her that this was likely. Everyone told her this was likely. Jacob was like, yeah, Edward's probably going to kill you. And he's like, what? How did you think this was going to happen, Bella? Because she told her. Because she fucking told her. And also she's starting to feel the soreness now. She's like, you know what? It does hurt a little bit. <laughs> she's not going to say it out loud, but she's like, it does hurt. She goes, I sort of feel like I did the day after I lifted weights that one time. Renee had a fitness obsession for a little while. And so they did 65 lunges with 10 pounds in each hand and she couldn't walk the next day. And so she's equating this to that. So he's got to walk in side to side. Uh, that's lovely. And so he has to calm down. And she goes, look, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't expect how wonderful and perfect it was. She's like, I really enjoyed it. She goes, I don't know how it was for you, but for me, I fucking loved it. And he says, oh, is that what you're worried about? That I didn't enjoy myself? He's like, I had a fucking great time. She goes, I know it's not the same. You're not human. I'm just trying to explain that for a human, I can't imagine that life gets any better than that. So she, she really enjoyed it. And he's like, well, I'm so sorry, actually. I'm so sorry that you would construe the way I feel about what I did to you meant that last night wasn't the best night of my life. He's like, I I, I had a fucking great time. The pillows didn't enjoy it so much, but I, I really enjoyed it. And she's like, oh yeah, best night ever, hey? And he's like, yeah. And he says, I spoke to Carlisle after you and I made our bargain, hoping he could help me. Okay, good guy. He got advice. That's good. And he says, of course, he warned me that this would be very dangerous for you. (laughs) He was just yelling at Bella, yelling at her about, oh my God, you expected this. You're crazy. And he expected it too. (laughs) Everyone warned him. And he goes, and I also asked like what I should expect about, you know, 
going downtown. Because Edward's a virgin too, which is really sweet and unrealistic. I mean, come on, guys. He's been alive for how many years? A hundred years? He never went downtown? He never dipped his toes in a lady pond? <laughs> come on. Come on, Steph. I know it's a love story for the ages, but like, please. And Carlisle told him that it, sex was a... Well, they never say sex. <laughs> the S-E-X word has not come up at all. They just say, what we did last night, what I did to you last night, what you did to me last night. No specifics. Not even going to call it making love. They're just going to refer to it vaguely. So he says, Carlisle told me it was a very powerful thing, like nothing else. Okay, so we said for vampires with our rarely changing temperaments, strong emotions can alter us in permanent ways. But he said, I did not need to worry about that part because you'd already altered me so completely. Okay, great. And then he goes, and I spoke to my brothers too and they told me it was going to be fucking great. <laughs> they told me it was going to be mint. So Carlisle's all like, love's a beautiful thing. It can really change you. And Emmett and Jasper were like, you're going to love it. <laughs> they told him it was a very great pleasure, second only to drinking human blood. And he goes, and I've tasted your blood and that was pretty good. And this came close, but I mean, it's, it's no blood. And he's like, and what we did, oof. He's like, I loved it. It was great. And he goes, but it doesn't change the fact that it was wrong. Even if it were possible that you really did feel that way. And she's like, oh my God. Yes, I enjoyed myself. Yes, I'm bruised. Get over it. And he's like, I can't ignore the evidence, Bella. So we're just going to fight about this. For pages and pages and pages, it seems. So then she's grabbing his chin and she says, you listen to me, Edward Cullen. I'm not pretending, okay? I had a great fucking time. I don't mind being bruised because I really enjoyed it. I climaxed. It was great. She says, I have a lot of happy memories with you, but this takes the cake. She says, this is better than any of it. So just deal with it. She really is hyping it up. Best night of her life. And yet she could not describe it to me. She could describe the moon for three and a half pages, but she can't describe the actual sex they had. I'm starting to think that since he bit the pillows, they did do it in bed, not at the beach, which is Probably to be expected. Yeah, that's, that, that makes more sense. And then Edward's seeing her frown and he's like, oh, am I making you unhappy? And it's like, oh my God, yes, you idiot. And then he goes, okay, all right, you're right. The past is past and I can't do anything to change it. So I'll do whatever I can to make you happy now. And she's like, really? Whatever makes me happy? And then her stomach growls and he's like, oh my God, you're hungry. A lot of stomach growling. Again, I think it's because little Rembrandt's cooking in there. And then she goes, okay, so why'd you decide to ruin Esme's pillows? She just wants that mystery solved, even though it's pretty obvious. And he goes, well, I don't know if I decided to do anything. I'm just lucky it was the pillows and not you. And she's like, oh, he wanted to bite me because he's a vampire. And so he bit pillows instead. She's, she's behind the eight ball. She's just figuring that one out. I mean, she was approaching an island in a boat and didn't realize it was an island until she got close enough. So, I mean, she's not the most perceptive, is she? So then she hops out of bed. She's like looking at herself naked in a full length mirror. And she's like, do I look that hideous? So now she's got body confidence out the wazoo. As soon as she's broken that seal by doing a little skinny dip at the beach at midnight, she's now wandering around naked, not a care in the world. Good for her. And she's looking at herself at all the bruises and she's like, it's not that bad. She's like, I've had worse. (laughs) Because she's so clumsy, she's had worse. She's looking at the bruises and she goes, yeah, I mean, yeah, my skin marks pretty easily. And then she's looking at her hair and she's more freaked out about that because of all the feathers in her hair. She's like, oh, geez, I'll never get all of these feathers out of my hair. I know. And Edward's like, okay, yeah, you would be worried about your hair. And so he starts helping to pluck all the feathers out of her hair. And then she's like, okay, after a minute, she's like, this isn't going to work. It's all dried in. I'm going to have to try and wash it out. And it's like, okay, great. So now she's going to go and wash the feathers out of her hair. 
I don't know, were these feathers dipped in glue? Why are they just like stuck to her scalp? I'm picturing the, the robber in Home Alone, the one that gets the feathers all stuck on him. Because she's like, it's not gonna work. This vampire that can move at superhuman speeds, not even he can pick the feathers out of my hair. They're all glued in, I need to have a shower. <laughs> and so she's like, do you wanna help me in the shower? And he goes, no, nah, I'm gonna go make you some food. And she's like, oh. And then she thinks, well, I guess the honeymoon's over. <laughs> Oh, she's so sad. She's got to go shower by herself. So then after the shower, when she's mostly feather free, which indicates to me that she's still got some feathers on her. <laughs> I'm just picturing the rest of this scene. <laughs> just a couple of feathers just still poking out of her ears. <laughs> so funny. Okay. So while she's mostly feather free, she puts on a cotton dress that mostly conceals the violet bruises that are forming on her body because she doesn't want to remind Edward of the bruises. And like, I don't think he's forgotten. So Edward's made her an omelet. She woofs it down, just full on woofs it down. And he's like, huh, I guess I'm not feeding you enough. And she goes, well, I was asleep, Edward. I can't eat in my sleep. And she goes, this is really good, by the way. It's a really impressive omelet for someone who doesn't eat. It's like, bitch, he was human. He does know how to make food. He's eaten before. He understands the concept of food. And also, how do you fuck up an omelet? It's eggs. These Cullens, they kill me because they're always like, do you think we have enough food in the house to pretend that we're, that we're actually humans, that all our human guests won't think that we're vampires because we don't have enough cereal in the cupboards? It's like, you were human. And in the movie, they're like, oh, we got to cook Bella Italian because her name is Italian. Like, you're, you were human. You live in the human world. You go to high school. How disconnected from human life are you? Like that he's getting props for being able to cook an omelet. Just the, the bare fucking minimum. And she's like, wow, this is really good for a vampire. Vampires can cook. And then she says, where did the eggs come from? Like, I don't know if she's looking around for a nest or something, being like, well, where'd the fuck the eggs come from? And he goes, yeah, I had some cleaning crew people come and drop off food for us, like calm down. And then she says she ate everything, like the whole omelet, even though he'd made enough for two, which is weird that he would do that considering he's not gonna eat. But again, I just think that's foreshadowing because the baby's brewing. Little Ravioli is making her presence known. And then she says, you aren't going to touch me again while we're here, are you? And he's like, nah. <laughs> he's like, absolutely freaking not. He says, I will not make love with you until... Oh, so they, they said make love. Okay. That's one step in the right direction. I will not make love with you until you've been changed. I will never hurt you again. Well, rot row. Might be a bit too late for that, Edward. And that was the end of the chapter. So we got the sex scene, but not really, not at all. We just got the aftermath and the foreplay at the beach. And you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. As much as I wanted all the horny details, it is a lot more classy than the shit I'm reading over on Patreon for Fifty Shades. Oh boy, talk about detail. If you want detail, you'll get it. As I said, you can go over to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books for access to that. And I'll see you next week for more honeymoon shenanigans and hopefully less descriptions of the moonlight. So I'll see you then. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. 
Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.